Before we get going with uh, this episode of the Ski Instructor Podcast, um, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you in association with Castley. Um, Alex at Castley has just uh, hooked me up with the FX85 ski for, which is going to be my powder ski for this winter. I'm really looking forward to that. It's a sort of old school wood core, no flashy technology, um, lightweight, you know, ski. Uh, for skiing off piste um i know 85 is is not massively wide underfoot but that's that's kind of my preference for for an off-piste ski i don't want anything too fat and um and it looks like this one's going to be ideal for winter so if you're considering new skis give yourself uh give yourself a quick look around their website at castley.com Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows and I'm the director and owner of Snowbridge Ski School based here in the Valley in Switzerland. Hope you're all well. Um, I'm recording this uh, in early November. Uh, the, snow is, uh, the snow line is coming gradually down and down. Um, we've had some amazing snow here over the autumn. Uh, I've been skiing a lot on, on Glacier 3000 in Le Diablerie, uh, which is only about 35-40 minutes away from where I am, which is uh, just proving to be quite convenient. And it's actually one of the earliest times that they've managed to open the glacier there um, since they installed the new uh, the new cable cars. So uh, so that early opening means I've managed to get get some some good early turns in um, for my ski season, which is uh, which is really really fantastic, and, and certainly saves quite a long drive to to Sassfay, which is where I would normally be going at this time of year. Um, Switzerland is just entering a phase as a, a lot of um, the other European countries, uh, certainly France, Germany, Austria, they're all doing a bit of a lockdown thing for the second wave of coronavirus. Um, certainly here in Switzerland, I think it looks like they're going down a slightly different model. You might call it a sort of Sweden model um, where they're trying to trying to keep the economy going um, at the same time as, as sort of taking precautions and, and trying to protect the hospitals and, and the capacity of the hospitals. So um, we'll see how our, all of that's going to roll out over the next um, the next next few months. But I, I took the the opportunity the other day to to count up the potential lost business or, or the lost business that certainly I've had in terms of cancellations this winter, and the number is enormous. And and uh, I know that I'm not alone in that. Um, uh, that sort of loss of work and I know that there's a lot of ski instructors who aren't even going to gonna make the effort to come out here this winter because they just don't see it especially those guys who rely especially on tour you know really focused on tourism in, in some of the resorts that are, that are particularly hard to get to and, and serve a, a sort of anglophone market so um, for those of you who are in that position I really really feel for you um, especially those of you like myself who have spent many many years now building a business and, and building your your legacy, um, you know, trying to support your family and all of that sort of stuff, only to have it snatched away by changing regulations from from, from government. And uh, um, I'm not sure how much longer a lot of businesses can carry on in, in this kind of environment. And, and I hope, you know, for your sake, that, that, that you all are able to do and that, that you can come out the other side of all of this. But... I think the fatigue is starting to set in for the populace now, and, and, I, and I sincerely hope that all of this, you know, this second wave stuff passes, and, and we can all just get back to some sort of semblance of a normal life. Um, 
This week on episode twenty-eight, I'm I'm uh, I'm interview I'm I'm recording. I've got an interview that I've recorded in back in September with Richard Featherston of Snowbility, and Snow uh, Snowbility uh, specifically cater for what they call inclusive snow sports, and and that will be for those clients that don't sort of think or learn like the rest of us you might say they have certain learning disabilities or that sort of thing um richard works out of uh, a snow dome in in the uk in hemel hempstead uh, that's one of those indoor snow things that, that the, the the british people do and um and i've really really enjoyed this um this this interview with with Richard and discovering what it is that he does. So, in this first half, we talk a little bit about well, there's a bit of random chat about golf. We talk about Richard's background and how he got you know further into the ski industry, and then about how he started Snowbility. So, enjoy this first half, and uh, and I, I'll, I'll catch you somewhere. Richard Featherston from Snowbility. How are you? Hi, Dave. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm great. Really good. Thank you very much. Good, good. So you catch me on uh, a day here in Switzerland. I can see a bit of blue sky, but it's raining for a week. And I just looked at the weather, and it's it's going to snow on Sunday. So winter is fast approaching here in Switzerland, and uh, I'm very much looking Fantastic. forward to it. Yeah, I've been I've been hot all summer. I don't like being hot. It's not my thing. Well, that's the nice thing about skiing indoors. We have <laughs> snow all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's cold, right? I imagine if you've got one of those kind of burning hot, you know, British <laughs> days where no one can really cope with it. You just you just take yourself into the into the snow uh, centre, don't you? That's the way to go. Well, it's like it's minus two, minus three all the time. So yeah, it's very refreshing. It's you know, um, we had Scott. Uh, you must know Scott Plever, but we had Scott. I do. Yeah, we had yep, Scott, no Scott in here. One of the early episodes. And he said that it's not really like the cold when you're skiing indoors in a dome is really cold because there's no like solar radiation or anything. Like your feet get cold and it's just cold. Yep. You know. Yeah, I no remember sunshine. actually when I when I started was well, when I started ten years ago. Mm. I think I had a cold for about four months, <laughs> and then and then literally after that I could go out there to be frank I could go out there in a t-shirt and what have you and the body just got used to it so yeah. it's, it is amazing how it changes it is, as you go through it's clever how the body adapts to these kind of things yeah, yeah. it's true it's true in fact, in fact yeah. we spent I think we spent was it last summer or the year before it seems so long ago now after this flipping COVID thing <laughs> the, um, yes. yeah we've been locked in the house for well I suppose I was at one point but like just I don't know. It just feels like it's never ended. I need a vacation, I think, is what I need. That's right. You need to come to an indoor snow centre. Well, you know? uh, get your skills, get your skills back, and then uh, um, then I'm, get back to Switzerland. Do you know what? I'm furious with this British quarantine, floating quarantine list thing. I was supposed to be going to play golf with my mates, and I'm on the WhatsApp uh, group with them. We were supposed to be in Portugal, right? And that got cancelled because Portugal went on the list and then went up again. <laughs> yes. So all my flights and everything got cancelled. I'm just stuck with these flights that I can't use. And so they're, they've all arranged it for the UK because they're all in the UK. And I was going to fly in for it, but of course they put the Switzerland 
you know, on the quarantine list for, for no reason as far as I can see. And uh, and so I can't go. But, yeah, I'm still seeing them, you know, getting excited about the trip <laughs> on WhatsApp. I'm just gutted. gutted. So, what are you, uh, so what are you playing off? I'm playing these days, I don't know, I, I got, I'm trying to play to 12. Good. Which is reasonable. Yeah. It's what I used to play to, and golf's got easier when, you know, now, now that I'm older. The technology's moved on, so I kind of hit it further. And I never, never really, never really had a driver before. I always used to be this. I, I kind of my theory was is that if you can see the ball and place it roughly where you want it, you're in the game. Rather than you know, visualize, yeah, yeah, like fifty yards further on, but in some bushes. So, <laughs> yes, but, that's but, right. <laughs> so lately, lately I've been taking my wife's driver. Which is like a, like, yeah, I wouldn't like, put that on the podcast. Well, no, she doesn't. She minds, it's got this kind of super bendy shaft. It's some horrible old Callaway thing, twelve degree driver from yeah. God knows how long ago. But yeah. it really goes. Like when you hit it properly, it really goes. So I'm kind of, I'm toying with that at the moment. But it has the potential to kind of get you into a lot of trouble. And yeah, I know. I did. I have to say, I found that the I had my probably my best ever nine holes about two weeks ago. Yeah. And then I, I played three days later, and I thought I got got to the first drive. I was feeling very confident. And I'm going. I'm going to allow for a miss hit. <laughs> so so I, I headed left because I thought it's going to go right. It's going to go right. Yeah. And did it did it go right? No. Never it does. Just do went, it. No. went straight left. Lost ball. First shot. Ah. Oh, it's yeah. so frustrating. I have to say it's kind of, it's. It, it's a question, actually. It's, it's it's a more deeper psychological question: this use of driver or not driver. And those of you know, I don't know how many ski instructors listening actually play golf or not, and I don't care. But the, 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 it's it's a question of like, do I want to be in the game and kind of you know keep my ball roughly right, but you know without necessarily the opportunity of scoring because I'm kind of maybe fifty meters, thirty meters back from where I would be, or do I go for it? But with the you know with the driver, but have yeah. sort of you know it's it's a really interesting question of of kind of. But that's risk a perception. positive. Well, that's your attitude, though, isn't it? Yeah. Is it going to be? Are you going to stand up? <laughs> the trouble is, you'll probably stand up there and change your mind three times on the team. Well, yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, I think you've got to be positive, and you just got to go for it. Yeah, I think so. Because if it works. How good are you going to feel? Well, that and, and that did happen a couple of times. I think I think the, the, the I've changed my mind with regards, well, not mind, my attitude with regards to golf a little bit in the last few years, and and that's to do with kind of caring about it. So now I regard it as just a sort of game to play. If you hit a few nice shots, you know, so yeah. I'm not, I don't keep score anymore. Because I think that's that for me is just like the 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 road to hell, you know, like sort of self introspection and and you know living inside your own head. So now I I view it as if I hit a few decent shots on a round and hang out with my mates, I'm kind of cool with that, you know. So so that's that's the way that golf's changed for me. Is I used to find it an incredibly frustrating game when I was younger. It can be, oh, yes, just, that yeah. is for sure. Yeah, for sure. Right, let's let's um let's talk about you for a bit um before we get on to snobility because I'm, I'm so excited sure. to talk to you about that. But well, how did you get into skiing and how did you end up going more so down the, the, the sort of the adaptive route, I guess? So what, what's, um, what's, what's, your, what's your story? Uh, this Well, the skiing is sim- similar, probably similar to yours, actually, uh, at the very beginning. Mm. I mean, I, we, I think when I was like seven or eight, there was a place I lived down in Kent Mm. And there was uh, an outdoor centre for climbing, 
canoeing skiing called bowls uh-huh. which is which is still there and um you know it's like you know get sent away by the by the parents during the during the summer holes for four days to go and learn to orienteer and oh, cool climb and ski and that was it dry little dry ski slope mm-hmm. you know it was probably i don't know it seemed very long at the time but it was probably only about you know 30 feet or 40 feet or something yeah, yeah. and um yeah so that was the start and the next you know that sort of led into you know you get a notice on the notice board at school saying anybody want to go on a ski trip and um yeah. You know, when I was, what, 14 or something. Oh, cool. And that's where we went. We ended up in Hock Solden, right. uh, just above Solden. And, um, yeah, it was fantastic. It was, uh, you know, there was our party. There was a girls' school from Shropshire and um, skiing. So, hey. way hey. to go. Now you're talking. <laughs> so all, the, all the ingredients for a great ski trip there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. And, and then you, what, you carried on? And skiing after that yeah so the, really from that it was it was you know a few school ski trips um a couple of family ski trips i mean i think the main the main thing about skiing was when we went to a place called Galtor. there was a an instructor there called oscar mm-hmm. and um I was, you know, I probably did the fastest snowplow in history all the time, you know. I'm not sure I knew what parallel skiing was at the time. That's all right. Um, but we got to, like, you know, do a race at the end between everybody and got on the podium on that and uh, just couldn't be kept off skis, really, from then from then on. Mm. And then sort of go on for four or five years, ended up in the, uh, when, I, as I, when I left school after A-levels, ended up in the city for about 12 months and I thought, what am I doing? You know, do I want to be an insurance broker the rest of my life? And that just really wasn't in me. So I got on a plane and went to went to Australia. Okay. And um, I'd been there for like a couple of months. And I walked past a place called Kosciuszko Ski Centre in Elizabeth Street in central Sydney. Uh-huh. And uh, walked in there, told them what a brilliant, how I'd, <laughs> how I'd worked for all these these ski companies in England, which of course wasn't maybe quite the truth, and uh, they gave me a job, yeah. and um, and they it turned out that was an organisation owned by a chap called Kerry Packer who started, oh, yeah. you know, started the cricket, the cricket you know, all of yeah, 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 and um, and he, well, Kosciuszko Ski Centre had places down in Threadbone, Perisher, and Jindabyne, so I used to I ran the hire department there and uh, had a most amazing two years of fun yeah <laughs> learning about uh, learning about skiing wow well at least you got out of the insurance broking game in the city for you know quite quickly, quickly. i say it took me till i was 30 something to get out of there but, uh... yeah i think it was you know back in at that time and you know that was what was that 17 1979 so it's a few years ago yeah um you know you're i think your first 12 months as an insurance broker you got given you got cancellation slips which you had to go into the lloyd's building talk to the underwriters and ask them to cancel something you know and it yeah to me wasn't really it wasn't really (laughs) what i wanted to spend my life doing so you thought you know the best way is Hey, just get on a plane, go somewhere, and see what happens. You know, see what turns mm. up. Um, so that's really 
has generally been my attitude to life. If you if you get, come against the brick wall, going fine, let's let's move on. See what see what see where we can go. See where life will take you. It's funny, you know. I I actually I rang up. Um, this is a big tangent. It's nothing to do with skiing either. Listen, but the, um, I rang up an old friend of mine. A guy I used to sit opposite in a brokerage I used to work in for. Oh, I don't know. I'm a Sapson at least for five years, maybe more than that. A guy called John, yeah. Mitch, John Mitchell, and I rang him up the other day, and he was kind of, like, it was fun back then, you know, when we were, you know, there's people playing practical jokes on each other. And yeah. Kind of, you know, you'd sit there, you'd work kind of when you the mood struck you and all that kind of stuff. And and he said it's not, it's just not like that anymore. You know, like corporate life is so corporate now. You know, yeah. that there isn't any of that. It's no, I think banter is a terrible word, but like there's not none of that fun in it anymore that that we used to have. I understand it's all it's all gone gone a bit straight, you know, and uh, that's uh, that's a shame. Well, it may have something to do with the <laughs> lack of alcohol during the day. Well, yeah, that too. There, there was a lot of that. That was um, yeah. Well, I I mean, that was that get... was how it was though. Yeah, yeah. it's true. I used to try and get all my work done in the morning. And the trick was to time it right. So you'd kind of wait until like the boss guy went for his lunch and then you went like five minutes after him and he'd never know when you actually went. So you could kind of really extend <laughs> yeah. out your life for busy lunch. The trouble hours. is, Dave, that's what you thought. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure he knew absolutely where you were. It's funny, though. I think in that environment, as long as you were doing a decent job and putting in the numbers, they just didn't really care what you did. You know, no, that, was, uh, that was... That, well, that, was is, that is business, isn't it? That's well, business, yeah. business generation. Yeah. You've got to put in the numbers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And as soon as you stop doing that, then uh, then you start coming under a bit more scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, so you were in Australia, and then where did that, that leave you? lead you? Well... My the family business was actually an international freight business, right. and we had we had offices uh, down there. Um, but I had wanted to spend two years not doing that, so mm. you know, my brother came over and we sort of travelled travelled around Australia. You know, the fantastic combi van, yeah, BIW eight four nine. I can still remember <laughs> the number plate, uh, which had shag pile carpet, wood panelling. An esky with beer in it and two surfboards. We couldn't surf, but it had two surfboards yeah, yeah. in it. And we just travelled the east coast of Australia mm. up to uh, up to Queensland. And um, yeah, that was a oh, wow. that was an experience and a half. You know, learnt how to dive. You know, all the stuff you would just want to do before you. Yeah, think, and this was when in the here the word career. <laughs> in the early eighties, was this? Yeah, yeah, wow. this was uh, yeah eighty one. Yeah, when. Um, and same same year that uh, Australia two beat Liberty in the America's Cup, oh, wow. um, which was like biggest sports history <laughs> event probably ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Australia must have been quite a raw place at the start of the eighties, I'd say, was it not? Uh, I was. It was very cool. Well, the thing is, it's just attitudes, isn't it? Yeah. It's like that. It's, it was outdoor, not indoor. Mm. You know, people people met outside. You went for barbecues. You yeah. went went down to you know. You didn't think anything of just driving at the weekend, six hours, seven hours down to Jindabyne and down to um, down to the mountains, yeah. down to the down to the snowies, and yeah. and <laughs> you know having a a day and a half of fun and then driving back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to make it to work for Monday morning. 
They've got some weird because um, the ski areas in in Australia aren't they in the state of Victoria? Am I right in that? So, yeah, some in yeah yeah. And, so I don't know whether they've got you, through their ski season before they've gone into the this kind of craziness that's going on there right now. Yeah, I mean I had uh, I had, uh, videos from my mates just just recently who were down there. Mm. Yeah, I mean they've had great snow. This, yeah, um, this last season, you know, with their social distancing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've been having a great time. Oh, cool. Okay. So, from Australia in the eighties, how, how where, where did that take you? Uh, well, I suppose the the move from there is um, I went from Australia to Hong Kong mm. and spent a bit of time in Hong Kong because I started working for the for the family freight business. Right. And did that. We had a, and we had things like we had a little restaurant in Hong Kong called the Stone Crow, which we used to manage. And then we we used to import Australian wines, huh. and uh, Australian beers. That yeah. we were the first people to import it into the UK as well. Before, oh. you know, the big breweries got involved, imported Vegemite into the UK. <laughs> uh, so that was all our fault. Yeah, and <laughs> and it sort of went from there. So we did did, did stuff with that, and then I came back to the UK um, and worked for you know did a couple of years, then and then moved. Decided I wanted to try and sort of set up my set up my own business. Hmm. So I set up a, just a marketing business. You know, as people do, you go, you know, what are you going to do? Try and make some money. Try and get a career. Hmm. So it was a it was a business to business direct marketing business. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so I ended up doing that for probably fourteen years. Oh wow! Yeah, before and I, you know, I'd always had snow sports in the back of my mind, or sports in the back of my mind. You know, hmm. would, it, would it be possible to make some money out of sports somewhere? Yeah, I don't know if that is possible. If you work it out, will you tell me? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm the call to ask you. <laughs> yeah, this isn't the business to go in. I don't know, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. There's probably some someone who's worked it out, in which case, uh, eventually I'll come across them on one of these podcasts. Yes. Yeah. And then they, maybe they can give me the secret. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, well, especially not when the especially not when the half your season gets shut down. That's uh, that's even yeah. that's, it makes it slightly yeah. But more that difficult. is, uh, but Dave, as you know, that is that is an opportunity. You just have to look at it that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That is true, and it's very positive of you. The, uh, the um, I, I have uh, to be fair. I have spent the summer getting quite a lot of stuff done, and actually, it's all going to kind of beautifully come together um, in the next month or two. That's good. Yeah, and actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here. I've already got. So you already got. I've already got a bunch of scheduling problems, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> and I'm looking at the diary now, thinking I have no idea how I'm going to fit all this stuff in, which is pretty good. Um, that is fantastic. Yeah, considering good. where where everybody is at the moment. But the thing is, unless you've got that attitude to do that, yeah, then you know. Well, it's do you know what? Not, it's not going to work. I don't know how many people have been doing this, but every single year, what I do is I ring up all of our old clients or contact all of our old clients and I you know say to them how are you doing you know like you know we give them a chance to kind of get in first before the rush of of all the or you know yeah. the general public if you like I yeah. don't know how many other people are taking that kind of care and attention or, or whether they just wait for the phone to ring I'm, I'm not sure um but that's you know there you go that's my secret uh, listener and if you're not <laughs> you should you should be um the, yeah especially in these these times right you know, like yeah. I, I don't think I've ever put, I haven't put as much effort into kind of selling skiing 
as I have this year, you know, into selling anything. To be fair, this even goes back. Well, to the plus old days there's different areas. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you know, when you when you actually have nothing to do for a few months, it does allow you to think about your industry, how it's set up, if there are other areas that you could develop. Yeah. You know, you know, where's the revenue? You know, from a business purely business perspective, mm. you've got to generate revenue somehow. Yeah. To be able to make sure that you can assist or you're there to assist all your students, yeah. you know, when they do come back. No, it's true. And actually, do you know what? It's, it has manifested itself how I thought it would in that people are itching to ski, desperate to like book in and get out and do something in the fresh air. Like they're yeah. really, really desperate to do. And we're not very, not as weirdly locked down as, as the UK still is, I think. But the, the you know, there is definitely a pent-up demand there for people to kind of ski because I think there's you know, a lot of people are still thinking thinking that there's some sort of unfinished business or whatever going on. Um, oh, it's absolutely! It's I think it's I think it's going to be. I think you know when it does open, you know, it's not going to take long for everybody to get back and beyond. You know, but the key thing I'm sure the key thing with all of this though is you've got to come out better. You know, when you have something a situation like you've got to come out better than when you went into it. Yeah. You just have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well I think you know, like I say, I think a lot of people have had a, a lot of time to think and reflect on how they could do stuff better. And I would imagine that a lot of businesses are going to become leaner. You know, and, and they've realised that they didn't maybe need a lot of the superfluous <clears throat> stuff that they've had, you know, in and around their business. Maybe there'll be a lot of cut you know, you you'll find a lot more strong organisations. I'd say the you know ongoing. It's already happening in a corporate sphere, right? You know, a lot of a lot of lot of people are now their reality is going to be working from home probably forever because a lot of those yep. corporates are realising they don't need all of that office space. Well, yeah, this has forced the issue, hasn't it? Yeah, because yeah. you know, because absolutely, they don't. You know, somebody can be just as productive working from home, mm. where they don't have three hours and you know ten grand a year on sitting on a train. Oh, it's, it's um, crazy. They don't need it. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred oh, percent. So, um, oh, I've got a question for you. I just thought of it. Um, what <laughs> if you were in the international freight shipping? What yeah. I'm. I'm put in a quote the other day for DHL to send this little box of uniforms up to Scotland and back for me. Yeah. It's only 10 kilos. Why are they trying to charge me 600 francs to do that? <coughs> That's a very good question. Like, why does it cost so much? It's unbelievable. They, they, I think they've seen you coming, Dave. Oh, is that what it is? I think I'll just send it by Swiss Post. I think it's going to be... Uh... You do, but you do better. You, do, you better get on your bike. It would, wouldn't you know, it? I know, I, know, I know you get, I know you like bike. Get on your bike and do it yourself. You know, and just all the experience you'll get in doing it. Yeah, and this box might get wet though. But I could, I could, I could actually do a road trip. Like if they live in quarantine, could. I could do a London to Scot- uh, Geneva to Scotland road trip, couldn't I? But you could film it. You know, it's a, there's another business opportunity. Sell it. Get yeah. sponsored. His day boring road trip with just him stopping for coffees. <laughs> Yeah, meet zero interesting people on the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. So then, so after this sort of career, corporate career, you yeah. you wanted to make a, a life in skiing sport. So how did you, what was your next step then in that direction? Well, I seem to remember that yours, having listened to your, Midlife crisis your, your bit of video, was yeah. sitting down with a bit of paper thinking... What do I actually want to do? I remember doing it and uh, yeah. sitting down in a coffee shop 
Huh? I, literally, I closed the business down. I thought, this is ridiculous. I don't enjoy doing marketing. Because, you know, the trouble in that area is that people can take it or leave. You can do the best marketing project ever. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, yeah, it's great. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Rich. We'll see you in six months' time. You go, hang on a minute. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that doesn't pay any bills, no. does it? No. And uh, so, yeah, I sat down in a coffee shop and I just I said to myself, it's not about money. Okay. Definitely not about money. What do you really want to do? And the trouble is, of course, you then get your piece of paper and you write down, uh, I'd like to make money out of sports. Um, mm. I'd like to be a dive instructor <laughs> in the summer. I'd like to be a ski instructor. I'd, actually, I could be a golf pro. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> all of these all of these things. And you go, and then you do your finance column. You go, yeah, yeah. okay, that, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> and um, But that was my list. You know, it was literally as a list of all of those things. Yeah. And, you know, I'd always, again, thought about, you know, I like the idea of coaching or instructing, not teaching as in, you know, doing double maths or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, just trying to inspire somebody and say, hey, it's okay. Whatever your situation, it's fine. It's mm. fine. You can be in a, you're in a really difficult place, but I can support you to get to actually get through that. So it's literally always all of that stuff. And that literally that night, my daughter phones, phones, phones me mm. and said, oh, Dad, you know, they've just built a ski center in Hemel Hempstead, which is all of about five miles away. Yeah. And I'm going, what? Well, so well, when are they opening that? Well, they're opening it next month. Huh? You're going, you are kidding. Oh, yeah, my, my best friend works there. And, you know, they'll, they'll be wanting ski instructors. And I'm going, I looked at my list and there it was. There it was. Literally, it was that. It was that evening. Right. So, and the um, so, you know, the next day, I literally got on the old. Um, uh, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I got on the old uh, blower to Basie to find out, you know, how to become a ski instructor. Uh-huh. The following week, I went up to Tamworth to my ski instructor, Basie one. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was. That was how it went. And then I turned up and asked Mr. Gillespie at the Snow Centre um, if I could sort of come and just sort of get involved. And it was literally, you know, just be there. Just turn up every day, Rich. Turn up every day. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get, you know, you've got, they've got, you know, all of the guys that they know anyway. Yeah. But just keep turning up, keep turning up, keep shadowing, keep shadowing. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you turn up and then one of the instructors isn't there. Oh, Rich, just go and take that lesson. You know, and that's... Yeah. It's how it goes. That's how you gain your experience. No, it's true. And um, it's yeah, fun. it's funny. I say yeah. that to some of the guys out here because you often see it, or some of the guys you see, you see posts on Facebook, don't you? People kind of searching for jobs in the Alps via Facebook from their couch. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't often work that way out here. Out here, it still works, you know, the old ways, which is you've got to be around. You know, yes, and there's probably yeah. space. I'd say now, looking at this diary problem that I've got, there's probably a space on my team. I'm waiting for that person to appear, but I reckon yeah. I've probably got you know, there's a hundred hours there for someone, but that yeah. person needs to be Swiss based and they need to be around. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't yeah. sit there and promise someone to come, to come out, you know, but they need to come out and be around. And you never know. Yeah. And that happened last year with a couple of our guys. They were around, they came out, did some work, and this year they're on the full-time team. You know, like it's... Yeah. Uh, it's funny, the right people find you. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that that's going to be the case this year because otherwise... Yeah, I see, it always is. Right. It is. The yeah. right, honestly, 
I just believe that. Yeah. The right people find you. You know, if you start looking, then you sort of, it, it, to me, in my experience, yeah. it doesn't work. But the right people find you. Yeah. And, um, I'd, I'd you know, it's, uh, you know, and that's that. what I did. You know, you got to, and yeah. if you want to find out about an industry, you got to be in it. Yeah. You can't be on a couch. You just got to be there. You know, even just hanging around, even with just the guy that's just hanging around. Yeah. Oh, God, he's, oh, he's hanging around again, he's hanging around. And then eventually, somebody going, hey, He's yeah. got enthusiasm because <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's just hanging him. around. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying him. He's hanging around. Hey, can you take that? And then, and then you go it's for true. it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, I'm, ho- I'm I, you know, I'm going to leave it up to the universe as you've advised yes. me. And I'll be ringing you up in January if I'm really struggling. <laughs> um, yeah. So did you, was your, was, is that where snobility was created or or is there like a period where you were working as a as a regular instructor at the snow center how, how did all of this come about uh yeah just number one really just keeping one's eyes open mm-hmm. i worked for the uh, i worked for the team at the snow center for what two years and just sort of did everything yeah. and you know i did whatever whatever i could took any lessons i could just trying to figure out what was what was going on, what snow sports was about. You know, if I could, you know, could have the qualities of being a good good instructor or a good coach, mm-hmm. um, and you know, really just d- developed it in that way, um, and just keep your eyes open. So I did duty manager stuff at the at the centre. You know, just volunteer for everything. Mm. That's uh, you know, that's what you've got to do. Yeah. And um and then literally two years in a uh, mum and her son came in and he's who was severely autistic. Mm-hmm. And I just put my hand up and the guy said, Yeah fine, you know, let's just go out and James he you know, he would look at my boot boots was pretty much non verbal. Mm. Um, you know, you look at a initial assessment form, you know, strong behavior, all that sort of stuff. And you go, Hey, yeah, this is, let's just take him out. Yeah. And it was literally, it was that, that one session and chatting to his mum about additional needs Mm. after that, that started snowbility, you know, with the blessing of, of, uh, of Pete and Ian at the at the centre mm. uh, to you know had the, at least had the vision to go just get on with it yeah let's get on with it and let's see what this is about um, but this is um, you know the word you used before adaptive it, we're not an adaptive organisation sorry um, using the wrong words okay no 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 it's no it's fair because that that is that is what people say around the around the world yeah and so they talk about that part being adaptive but it's actually <clears throat> actually inclusive snow sports not adaptive snow sports so that is our area is inclusive snow sport so inclusive snow sports basically is 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 different um because it caters for those who don't think or learn like the majority of people you know there's you know there's some fantastic disability organizations out there you know, DSUK and stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they are just stunningly amazing at what they do. Yeah. Uh, but the, <clears throat> but this was an area uh, that I wanted to be involved in, and it's it's in, but inclusive snow sports. You know, the basically the way um, somebody who has additional needs experiences the world is is different, mm. um, uh, and therefore 
you have to teach in a different way. Um, you know, you can't, it's not just like a come in and this is what you're going to do. We're going to want, it's, it's about them on that day. Mm. You know, if the weather's poor outside, potentially their behavior is going to change yeah. inside compared with the previous day or compared with the day after that. Okay. You know, so it's just about them and it's just about, and it's about their life skills. It's not about snow sports. Mm. We happen to use snow sports as the vehicle, but it's actually their life skills, social interaction, motivation, you know, listening skills, fitness levels, motor skills, all that sort of stuff, concentration levels, mm -hmm. you know, and having fun, you know, you know, the electricity that you will have had when you first got on the slope, mm. which is why you're now doing <laughs> where, where you've got to, is that electricity you can give to somebody who has additional needs, somebody who is, has got Down syndrome, or diabetes, or or CP, or autistic, or quad brain injury. You know, th mm -hmm. that's what they want. They want to be the same as everybody. They won't be any different. They want to be the same as everybody else. Yeah. And just you. Do, and our job is just to give them that opportunity and support them, absolutely, in making that in making that happen. Now, you know. Okay. So so, okay. So we're not talking then necessarily about. We, we, well, in fact, we're not talking at all about people with kind of physical disability. We're talking about essentially the groups that are. So you sit in the niche where there are there. You've got students that have got learning difficulties or other things that affect them that stop mental them. health challenges. Yeah. You know the unseen. Yeah. The unseen. You know, literally, I could have a hundred of my students walking in. Yes, and you, and you, you know, as a general rule, from a distance, you go mainstream, 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 mainstream. Yeah, but it's, that's not the case. Yeah, you know, but it is actually George and Alice and Erin and you know and Naomi and you know it's mm. it's they're individuals. Yeah, and you deal with every single one of them in an individual way. Yeah, as as I suppose you would with kind of anybody else right yes like you're just what you're trying to do in the the back of yeah. your mind while that's going on is is to make the calculation as to how you should approach it yeah you, you know knowing what you know because someone's diagnosed yeah you know, on that day certain 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 um certain difficulty yeah it's just challenge you know it's challenges we all have challenges mm. you know which is which is fine. And on a day, you know, if you wake up and uh, get out the wrong side of the bed, you know, your, your, you know, your mindset may not be as positive as it was the day before. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, for somebody, I mean, I remember the first time I ever turned up at the snow center mm. to do a, when I knew I was going to be doing a lesson that day. That was yeah. the first time. Yeah. And I remember, and it's funny how mental health gets to you, but I remember sitting in the car park for 10 minutes I was just sitting in the car going, I can't go in there. You know, everybody's fantastic. They all know how to ski. And yeah. I'm going to go and try and teach somebody how to ski. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, I remember literally. I think that's go, one, of the, one of the other things when you, you kind of, I suppose this will be for, for, for more the, the less experienced instructors that are listening to this. There is the tendency to slightly over plan your early lessons, you know, to, sure. the, to the T. And you're sure. sort of, you know, you're trying to allow for every single eventuality. And, and when you become more experienced, you kind of, you sort of just roll with the punches, you know, you flow and you sort of see where yeah. 
you're much more at ease with seeing where the lesson takes you rather than yeah. in the early days when you're sort of, you know, you're trying to keep everything under quite a tight control. But this is the thing, isn't it? You know, you do a, like a level two where you're trying to teach snowplow. Yeah. And you know the expectation of the family who is watching mm. is that your student is going to do a snowplow by the end of it. Yeah. But maybe they're not feeling up to that. No, maybe they can't. You know. And it doesn't matter. No. You know, you know, but maybe you can do, you can, maybe you can, you know, in our scenario, find out what they're interested in. If they're interested in trains, do trains. <laughs> if they're interested in aeroplanes, do aeroplanes. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's about them. It's actually not about the family watching. It's about them on the slope in front of you and you being part of their team. I suppose yeah. the thing about the snow centre, though, is you've got that sort of viewing gallery, haven't you, that everyone can kind of watch your lesson. We, <laughs> yes. Us in the mountains, we can take our students off and then yeah. sort of without that, that eye of, uh, of being... Yeah, watched. and I think, where the, I think where instructors, you know, that I think some of the best lessons to be aware of in those scenarios is you can have the... Literally, you can have the snow centre full. Mm. And you think you have disappeared into the sort of ether with your student. Mm. And because there's so many people out there, people will not see what you are doing, <laughs> how you're behaving, whether you're smiling. Yeah. You know, are, is your student being enthusiastic? You think that you just like, you know, you're sort of hidden in the trees, but it's not. No. It is open. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is open. It is as if you are the only person out there. <laughs> and that is how you how they, you know, that's a, such a key lesson, mm. you know, and you've got to be enthusiastic. You know, you can be enthusiastic with your voice, but you need to be more than that. You need to, as well as you said on your yeah. thing, you know, you need your dance moves. A little bit. You sort of, it sometimes feels a little bit like you're an actor. Like some days yeah. you turn up and you don't, um, you're not feeling it. But the minute the lesson starts, you sort of switch on. It's, um yeah. It's it's very strange that it's a strange sort of feeling to feel from inside yourself. So okay, well, yeah. I'm, I'm working. Now. You know, some day, you know, most of the time, it's it's natural, right? But but some days you might just I don't know, like you say, get out of the bed the wrong day, you have got a headache or yeah. whatever, and um, or you know, you've been working, you know, thirty days straight or something, and and you're just not there. So you have to kind of put on a bit of a show, and it's um, yeah, it's interesting that one. But maybe that's you know that's what your underlying personality is you know a dancer <laughs> <laughs> and it comes out when you get your ski instructor thing on you can do that yeah you know, because it's, it's, all of a sudden you don't have any inhibitions no that's it's kind of true i'm, I'm with you on that <laughs> so, tell me the so so this was the germ of the idea sort of this this sort of day one yeah. uh, autistic client but how, how did how did you take that then from there to being a, a, a sort of the size of the enterprise that you have now? I mean, I suppose there's two things. You know, one is that the, you know, from a business perspective, mm. you know, we started with, well, one student 10 years ago. One, James was my, I literally, I did one student the first month. Mm. I did him like three or four times, same student. Mm. And, you know, back in February, we had, what, nearly 200 students in the month. Oh. Um, so... You know, the it's not a niche. To be honest, it's not a niche business, no. which is what I've always been trying to get across to other ski schools. Mm. You know, there are people you can put a pin in the map, and there you know, there's one in forty students 
mainstream students is additional needs. Mm. So, you know, if you want to if you want to market, if you want to try and develop another part of your business, another part of your ski school in Europe, mm. you know, this is this you know, this is it because it's not it's the additional needs student and their support group and their siblings mm. Mm. and their cousins and their social group. You know, so one gets twenty. Yeah, you know? I'm with you on that, and I'd love to when when we're finished with this, I'd love to have a chat with you about it because I, I I've been looking for a, I'm saying another direction to go in, but I I certainly want to do something that is a, say regular ski school, all the time, yeah. something that is a little bit deeper, and um, and also as well, this is the to, thing about inclusive, yeah. inclusive snow sports, you know, and that, you know. People may, you know, they'll go, oh, no, it's adapted. No, it's not. It's inclusive snow. It is different. Mm. Um, and I have been trying to get it across. But, you know, we get, you know, what we're trying to do is just help one more student. So the growth, in answer to your question, mm. the growth is one student will have some siblings, will go to a school that has other additional needs students. Mm. Mm. So support everybody. And your one student will turn into 20 and your next student will turn into 20, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And so it goes on. Now, we do come across this often. I remember last year we had a week-long um, a week-long session that, that Gary delivered with, with a couple of boys who, who had, yeah, had some quite severe autism. And, yeah. you know, we eventually got those guys off of the, the beginner slope and actually up the mountain on the, on the ski lift, Fantastic. which is a, a, a miracle, really, in a week. Yeah, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether this year they're going to be returning because of this whole Corona thing, but but certainly that's a relationship that we built, and we can you know we've done it once. So what we really need to do now is see if there's any tie up that we can make with with you know guys like oh, you. Oh, absolutely. And then well, the thing is, it's like you know there. the I think this thing with business day, mm. you know, and yeah, it's about snow sports, but actually it's it's about business because the next one is has some success, then those businesses are not going to be there, mm. is get businesses supporting other businesses. Yeah, yeah. Not for anything apart from supporting, you know, being ambassadors for each other yeah. and stuff like that. You know, if Pete Gillespie had not mm. said, hey, Rich, just get on with it. Yeah. You know, if he had not supported me, this would not have happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. you know, and as such, you know, the basics are it's a revenue stream for the snow center. Because obviously I'm doing marketing to try and develop this thing, which then generates students to come in onto the slope. We yeah. need to get for the snow center. We need to get people on the slope to because it generates revenue. You know that is the building block. So Do you know it. one can't be bashful about that. You've got to go actually get everybody supporting everybody. Then we can all be successful we can help more people yeah we, we we talk about this often on the podcast and, and uh it's something i'm i'm actively when i go ride motorbikes with phil i talk to him a lot about that you know it's yeah. the sort of concept <laughs> of collaboration because it's it's yeah you know we're not really all fighting each other you know listener this is an old old comment that we made on lots of times you know it's, it's about growing skier numbers in general you know getting people up here and doing it rather than you know all us fighting each other trying to steal clients off each other you know it just doesn't need to be like that we can get as many people absolutely as, as we want you it, know? it does not it does not you know i mean the other side of our our 
business over here, you know, the growth over 10 years mm. is that, of course, additional needs, disabilities, you know, there are funding related situations. Yes. You know, Let's, um... you know and, the, and the, I think that, you know, the key point there is that somebody who has additional needs or is disabled has a right to access private companies as well as charities. Mm. So that will be the underlying message um, in that, you know, quite often an additional needs student will come in and go, oh, OK, so where what charity are you going to is going to support you? Mm. Well, hang on a minute. It's that, yeah. No, they have a right to access private organizations. Yes. Figure out the funding bit. So you've got that as the as the underlying thing. They've got a right to do that, mm. to do both um, and see where the support is that they need. And then. The other side of it is, is uh, say, where funding is needed, then we have to have the ability of getting out there and trying to find funding, whatever, wherever that is, uh, which is why I set up, we set up the Snow Sports Foundation, mm. who, you know, we're, we're out there, well, I'm out there trying to generate funding from any sources I can find, and the Snow Sports Foundation will then support additional needs students or dis disabled students or SEN schools, you know, special educational needs schools to try and make these things happen, you know, where they couldn't otherwise have that opportunity. Where, um, okay, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here because this concept of funding, funding in general, I kind of yeah. like where you almost went with that was that there's, there's presumably room in these sectors for private enterprise right and 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 your evidence of that because you've obviously got quite a big client base and presumably yep. they're fee paying right now yeah th this is the bit that, that that sudden you know gets me about a lot of aspects of life because my my wife works in the sort of the N ngo sector down in geneva sometimes and all of oh, those guys right, okay. are all yeah they're all kind of all the time fighting for grants and funding and all this sort of yep. stuff. And I'm kind of thinking, well, there must be a way, if you could make these things profitable, private sector money would pile into them, you know, yep. and, and would support them in that way. Yep. I don't understand why there is within things like, you know, and maybe you could explain to me because I'm just naive about this subject. So it's not me being difficult. It's just me trying to understand it. But why yeah. within, say, the sphere of, of learning difficulties or adaptive skiing or that sort of thing, why, why is there such a focus on funding as such over, <laughs> over kind of just, I don't know, private, private enterprise? I don't understand. Well, I think you've got to try and do, you know, you've got to do all of those things. You know, some if somebody, you know, has a foundation with money in it and they feel that they, you know, want to try and support somebody like us, mm. then great. Then we have the people, you know, we have honestly I have we have more people and like we could probably you know, even within probably a hundred miles of where we are that we could ever deal with over ten years. Mm -hmm. Um, but they need support. You know, first of all, they need positive support that it is possible that this is that they could do this. Yeah. And then they need positive support because of their financial situations, etc. Mm. You know, and being inclusive, that's the other side of being inclusive. If somebody can't afford to do it, 
well, we can't sign find funding, then what do we do? Because we can't just go, you can't, we're not going to do it. You know, we just have to figure out a way, whatever that is, talk to a company who might fund an individual, talk to a company who might fund a, um, uh, fund a, a school. Mm. Um, but the, the structure is that you need to, people are not going to give funding to a private organisation. Okay. You know, um, they're going to give it, they will give it to a charity. You know, you've got to have charity with voluntary trustees, et cetera, where every penny ends up with a student. That is the, that is the underlying, from my perspective. Yeah. A lot of charities are not set up that way, but that's not how I see, uh, I see the world. So, so our foundation has voluntary trustees, voluntary treasurer, voluntary marketing people, et cetera. Um, so if I can go out there and find 10 grand from somebody, I can then give it to the trustees and go, there it is, go and use it in whatever way, you know, you feel best. If it's supporting a school, support the school. If it's supporting an individual, support them. If supporting a young carer who's caring for an additional needs sibling, mm. then support, support them. Um, but the key is we want every pound ending up with a student. Yeah. Not, oh, oh, that's great. We've got a pound here. Uh, right, 80, by the way, 80p of it is going <laughs> to go into the organisation to pay for paper clips and stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Just, that's, not, that's not how I see how these things should work. Yes. UN and Geneva-based NGOs, we're looking at you in that respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> the... I did. The reason I say that is because I'm just outraged by how much of the funding from some of these NGOs that I hear about does not make it to the intended destination. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing, actually, on it, David, uh, is that if you, get, if you go to a private investor, mm. so as opposed to a corporate yeah. investor of some description, you go to a private investor, as a general rule, they will, they will have something in their terms and conditions and stuff which yeah. will say if your admin fee for your charity is over 5%, yeah. you know, which is basically paper clips yeah. Yeah. and stuff. Yeah. If, they, if they use paper, I don't know, they use paper clips either. <laughs> I've got some. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if it's over 5%, then you're not getting any funding. Yeah, and rightly so. Yeah, rightly so. absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That is how I, you know, fine after that, if they then decide, like if the trustees then decide that they've got somebody disabled that needs to go with DSUK, mm. then we'll fund. We will fund that lesson. Yeah, with yeah. DSUK, not with us. Yeah, with DSUK. You know, it's so you've got to give them the appropriate support for their need. The students, student being top of the pyramid. Everybody else, yeah, we're right down the bottom somewhere. Mm. But top of the pyramid, the thing right at the top there. Um, top of the Christmas tree as this is Christmas podcast is you know is the student so just to let you know about future interviews that we've got coming up in the next uh, month or two. Um, I'm off to Zermatt at the weekend to do a Swiss snow sports refresher course, which is uh, 
been a little bit messed around and the group sizes have changed and some of the way that they do all of this sort of stuff have been uh, have been changed by the, the the rules that they've got now where we're not allowed to have more than five people meeting at the same time so that's going to prove to be a very interesting weekend course especially since all the restaurants are closed um, which is where a lot of the chat gets done over coffees and, and sandwiches as you might know um, but if I'm there in Zermatt at the weekend, hopefully I'm going to get a chance to chat with a couple of my um, my next guests and, and maybe we can get two interviews in the bag over the course of this weekend, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm also speaking um, also speaking to Blair Aitken of um, British Backcountry tomorrow morning, actually. So I'm very much looking forward to chatting with him and I've been wanting to speak with Blair for a while about what he's doing in the, in the wilds of Scotland, um, you know, when the snow is, is, is there. Um, I very much hope that you're looking, uh, you, you you're enjoying this this uh, this chat with Richard. Um, it was clear to me that you know he's been in business in other areas and and he certainly um, brings a, a different perspective, more say business like perspective to, to to skiing. And I've very much enjoyed chatting with him about this and a couple of other things that we talked about off mic. So uh, um, in this second half, we're going to talk a little bit more about the teaching approach, how you would teach. Um, you know, people who are in this sort of in inclusive snow sport sector. Um, we also touch on something called mental health first aid, which is which is really interesting. Um, which is something I'd never heard about, but but certainly something that that I've got going on with a number of of, of my friends who are, who are in kind of quite a precarious mental state at the moment, and and indeed also. Um, uh, and indeed, especially, I think, was something that will become more and more prevalent in, the, in these current times. So a um, bit more chat about working indoors as well with Richard and, and then uh, a last minute tangent about sailing. So enjoy the rest of episode 28. And uh, I very much look forward to catching up with you all again on episode 29, um, which will be with you as soon as I get it done. Um, let's let's talk about that then for a little second. Um, well, in fact, this is a ski instructor's podcast, so we should probably talk about the actual physical approaches of um, teaching students with with learning difficulties. Now, how do you, you know? Whilst we're you know, we've already said that you know each person is individual and, and should be treated as such, and yeah. and in the back of your mind you're making a calculation on how best to teach them. But yeah. what what sort of what sort of things do you do with the various um, various types of you know? For example, let's just start with with autism. For example, how how yeah. what what would be the approach to teaching someone with autism? Say. Well, if you think just generally across additional needs, yeah, okay, you know, because additional needs, autism, it actually doesn't matter from my perspective as to what their what the name is, because mm -hmm. it's them, it's them as as I say, as Alice or George, yeah, I understand, you know, individuals, um, and the you know, 
teaching them, if you imagine as a general rule, I would say across additional needs, it'd be like coming out onto the, if you go out onto the snow center slope, mm-hmm. so you'll have music going, you'll have people talking, uh, you'll have the cold, yeah. you've got all of these things. But actually, if you take all of those things and times it by 50, yeah. so where we would hear some music, they, all, they would hear it times 50 volume. Yeah. You know, if they hear people chatting, they were here at times 50. So you imagine that and then trying to do an exam and trying yeah. to concentrate on the exam. You know, that's the situation. So you, it's it's less. Mm-hmm. You know, the great Toby officials always yeah. said to me when he was coaching me, less is more, Richard. Less is, yes, Toby. Yes, of course it is. Yeah. And you're very, very good skier. Um, uh, but less is more, you know. it's yeah. uh, And that's what it's about. It's It's... It's just about that moment. Um, you know, the other great thing, of course, with snow sports um, relates to the temperature. So they're in their own environment because you've got a helmet on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in a, a low temperature, uh, you know, which absolutely, you know, dead and sound, you know, the actual snow dead and sound, yeah. um, which is good. Uh, it limits smell. That the because of the temperature and what have you limit smell so that is good mm-hmm. you know so that so as a sport itself you know it's a it's a great environment um and what they don't need is they don't need me trying to give them a one to ten of things they need to do within the next minute yeah okay so and the, they so just need over, space so overall indoors the sensory sort of overload is slightly less but yes. there are certain things. Obviously, you've got people zooming about all over the place, and you've also got. Did the snow centre turn down the music when you guys are in there? Um, we we have had it on occasions where that is the case, but normally that's because Race Club have got their right. their mega speakers, Bang and Olsen <laughs> speakers going, okay. and uh, we're going. Hey, hang on, we got some additional students here. Yeah. So, but yeah, everybody's supportive. You know, everybody listens. You know, which is great. Does, um, would, would it help, for example, if those people were to, um, those additional knee students were to wear, say, earplugs, for example? We do have some that will ear, uh, wear ear defenders. Right. Uh, but as a general rule, you can, you can still have a full snow centre. Mm. And actually, because of the snow, it deadens that sound down incredibly. Okay. So, you so know, then... but again, and also we have safe areas, you know, if, if, we find somebody, you know, finds it difficult, then fine, we can just go, right, let's just go to the safe area. So, so, so. then what you're trying to do, I'm, I'm trying to think about how I would work my way through this, is that you're probably then, I know bubble's probably a quite a popular word these days, but um, you're probably yes, trying yes. to create that sort of feeling of you and the student being in a in a bubble, because I'm guessing this isn't a group group session, is it? This, is a, this will be more like a one-to-one session. Yeah, I mean, our sessions are, are one-to-one. So even when we have groups, they're still one-to-one. So we'll have, if we've got five uh, students from an SEN school, then we'll have five instructors on it. Yeah. So you've got, I've got five one-to-one sessions. And then the environment that you're trying to set then is just you and the kid or you and the, the yeah. whoever it is. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's very much kind of you and them concentrating on very, very simple things one at a time yeah not even to be honest Dave not even simple stuff I mean I have one of my one of my guys 
uh, Tristan, mm. who has severe cerebral palsy. Mm. I mean, he will come in, and when he comes in, you would go, "Okay, Tristan's got severe cerebral palsy. You can you can see it. Yeah. You know, it's no, it's no." Um, and you go, "Well, how is he going to ski parallel, and how is he going to pole plant?" Mm. But he he can make. Uh, when I know my short turns are not brilliant, yeah, you know, probably <laughs> I'll need my refresher, uh, my IAG refresher. Yeah, but he can do short turns better than I can parallel on the main slope. Okay, and yet when he walks out, you go, he's got. How does, how does he do that? And it's amazing. How you know, does so he's just giving them a chance. How does he do that? <laughs> just as <laughs> as something he has that. He just has that X factor, as do all of our students. That's amazing, you know. Just give them a, just giving them a chance. Yeah, you know, never, never hearing the word no. Mm-hmm. You know, no, yes. Well, let's do it, but let's do it this way rather than no. Don't do that. Don't run. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so you know they're inspirational to us because they can do stuff. I mean, given his situation, would I be able to do what he does? I have no idea. Mm. I have no idea. But what I can do is I can give him an opportunity of just being who he wants to be. So that's great. There's a lot to be said for that, even in teaching, I want to say regular people, but like, you know, our clients, right? Everyone is different. Yeah. And I make a, I don't know, I'm sure everyone does this, but you make a big, big thing out of getting to know your client on the, on the lifts and kind of who they are and what yeah. they're, they're up to and what's what they're into, especially for kids, right? What are you into? You know, what's interesting to a seven-year-old these days? I mean, no idea, but this is what I'll find out this season, what the, the, the coolest thing is, um, yeah. you know, and, and then you kind of work with it from there. It, it's um, There's no reason that that should change just because some people have some, some additional needs, right? Absolutely. I mean, we have a, uh... You know, quite a few of our students are Guinness World Record holders. Really? Yeah. For what? Because for skiing. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was surprising. Go on, tell me more. Yeah, yeah, we did like five years ago. We set a Guinness World Record for the most amount of miles skied on an indoor ski slope huh. in, tw- in 12 hours. Wow. We started at eight, 8 in the morning Yeah. and uh, finished at 8 in the evening. And we had something like 200 people involved in it. Yeah. And, you know, we had a lot of students, severe autistic students, what have you, just anybody from any of our schools. Yeah. And uh, we ended up two miles short of Switzerland, (laughs) (laughs) which is so annoying. Yeah. That is like so annoying that we... We just didn't know. <laughs> you skied just to the outskirts of uh, the Jura. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. You're getting two miles. Oh, Amazing. God, one. If we'd had like another three people on there, yeah. You know, we could have got the two miles. But anyway, yeah. So wow. Guinness World Record holders. That's amazing. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. The trouble is, embarrassing moments. Mm. Embarrassing moments. We had some Mike Penning. Um, so he was Minister of Disabilities at the time. He 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 started us off. Right. So of course, as as is as is the way they go. Rich, you go first. You go first. You go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> so I come down, scream down the slope. I go. You know, I don't know what has got into me. Yeah. Come round the corner at the bottom net, 
and there's a smaller net which I hadn't seen. So one ski goes one side, the other ski goes the other side. I end up flat on my face. This is the first run. This is uh, this is you yeah. providing a perfect demonstration of what you were looking for that day. Yeah, and of course the thing was that Guinness. I mean Guinness to actually set it up, you had to have you know you've got to film it all and stuff yeah and if if you fall at any stage throughout any of your runs it doesn't count no so, did, so it didn't count <laughs> That's get up and do it again oh, amazing. <laughs> hundreds of times so you, <laughs> it was fun you, going back to the sessions themselves you limit yours to one hour that's the sort of natural time limit for a session like that Otherwise well no it doesn't have to be but but yes that is that is a lot Mm. You know, it's a lot because it's as much mental as physical. Yeah. So mental exercise as physical exercise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if a session, you know, again, another good thing for instructors, you know, if after 40 minutes they've had enough, then that's fine. Yeah. You know, you just got to go. Or if they, you know, if they find something difficult, again, that's fine. You just got to go, hey, that's fine. Mm. Yeah, well, let's we'll, we'll sit there. Let's just sit down the slope and see what we can see. Yeah, you know, let's look at the look at the mountains. Oh, look, there's a snowboard, or there's somebody doing, or somebody wearing a pink jacket, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. There, there is a there is that element of it. You'd be, I've mentioned it, I think, before, but I think you'd be surprised how many people try and offload their their three, four, and five year olds on on us for more than <laughs> one hour. And just like, well, you know. I can give you a number of a babysitter if you'd like that. But, you know, we're here to teach skiing and really your three, four and five year old is not, well, certainly three and four is not really capable that of much more than an hour of learning how to ski. It's, uh, yeah. it's just how it is, you know, it's, uh, yeah. um, and, and I don't think you can force additional learning onto people in that way. No, because it's like, it's, you know, this is again, it's, as we said earlier, it's not double math. This mm. is a physical, mental exercise. You know, they could be the next, you know, Olympic champion. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But, you know, even Olympic champions, when they start, they probably only start doing five minutes when they're a little yeah. youngster and then yeah, do yeah. maybe 10 minutes and then maybe, you know, and keeping the enthusiasm, not making it a lesson. Yes. You know, enthusiasm, 100% electricity 100 percent. not you're, you're not doing this we're not doing a ski lesson mm. we're just gonna have because the rest of it it comes anyway mm. Mm. yeah i'm with you where, where do you draw your instructors from where, are they specialists in in this area are they specially trained how, how is how have you put your team together because it was um it was kathy that put us in touch you very kindly it was yeah me. wonderful so hello kathy yeah. if you're there yeah wonderful yeah. kathy yeah, yeah. Um, but how how do you you know you said that people come to you eventually but you must have within your team you must have a sort of special training program I'm guessing and and you must pick these people for their their abilities. Yeah, the uh, the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea, but I'm sure it's not as simple as that. I think it is actually. I think it's quite simple. I think you know, if you're out on the slope, mm. I mean, what you know anyway, because I can hear it in your voice and then just looking at your website and stuff. Mm. The enthusiasm you give, the positivity you give, people will see that, and that is a magnet. 
that's a magnet for other people. So, you know, every time I'm out there, it's like a sales pitch for other instructors. Yeah, yeah. Every time I'm just doing my one-to-one with a student, you know, because people see, you know, see what's yeah. going on. They see whether you're being enthusiastic or being miserable or whatever it is, yes. you know. And, um, you know, I think, <clears throat> to my mind, that positivity generates magnetism for the right people. Mm. And the right people then find you and the right people come and have a chat and go, you know, or right people want some support maybe on their lesson. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you if there's a snow sensor lesson, there might be somebody additional needs on the snow sensor lesson. Fine. That's great. Mm. You know, because we want to help everybody, you know. So, and if they need some, oh, this is the situation I find. I'm not going to go, oh, no, I can't tell you because <laughs> mm. <laughs> I've got the experience you haven't. Yeah. You should be giving out that experience. And that's how it how it works. And, you know, a lot of people have touched additional needs through their life, through their friends, through their family, whatever. Mm. Uh, And therefore, a lot of instructors, a lot of instructors listening to this will know somebody that knows somebody or be one to one with somebody who has additional needs or just, you know, mental health challenges. We've all got mental health challenges. You know, more so maybe this year than, than most, but we yeah. still, you know, that's, and it's how you deal with that. Yeah. So, so in answer to your question, that is number one, just got to believe. Uh, number two is when they do come, then you've got to look at, yeah, you've got to look at training, but it's, they've got their skiing stuff. They've got their snow sports stuff. They've got their electricity and enthusiasm mm-hmm. for snow and everything it can give, and they see what it can give to them, and they want to give that across to other people. Um, but things like mental health first aid training mm-hmm. is a must. You know, every instructor listening to this should book themselves on a mental health first aid training course. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'll then touch information on suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, and suicide is not just for people over a certain age. You know, it could be somebody who's seven, mm. you know, and you might have that conversation on the slope. So what do you do? Yeah. Do you shut it down? Mm. Or, you know, what is your, how do you do your first aid? <laughs> you yeah. know, we're not there to answer to be able to do it, but you've got to do your mental health first aid, you know, and it will be, so stuff like that, because it just gives you something else. It gives you another tool mm. that you can use given a situation, whatever that situation might be. And it might be with not with a student. It might be with a parent. Yeah, yeah. That's and you go, I, have you had a good week? And yeah. all of a sudden you find out they haven't had a good week for whatever reason. So yeah. you need to be able to cope with it. Yeah. Um, yeah so, you know, that and experience, you know, which you can gain. You don't have to have the experience to be able to do it. You can gain experience and ask questions and, you know, anybody, even on this podcast, anybody ever ever wants to, just shoot an email to mm. us or come in, come in and just come and see what's going on or come and get a bit of info or anything. I, I, yeah, I genuinely never heard, heard of mental health first aid before. That's interesting. Um, I shall it is, it is when we're finished. Really? Mm. Really? It's, yeah. you know, it just makes you just think a little bit about the people, about about yourself as an individual and about people around you that you come in contact with. It's quite it's an interesting topic, isn't it? It's interesting how to the forefront things like mental health have become in the last few years. 
when you know I guess then the, you know, it would have been completely neglected for the last hundred right you know, there's not many people thinking about this while all those guys are going off to, to, to war in World War Two or whatever you know it's a uh, Interesting. Yeah, really, really. But I, but I think I think you know the, I think the right people will have done it, and maybe it is as with some things, you know, it's maybe it's an embarrassment factor of not wanting to start a discussion in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I better not because I think because that makes you stand out from maybe the people around you, and you think it makes you stand out negatively, mm. but actually. It's quite the opposite. It makes you stand out positively because you've seen something or you're not feeling in a certain way or somebody's not feeling in a certain way and you can then go, actually, it's fine. Mm. It's fine. It's fine to feel like that. Yeah. Absolutely, it's fine. It's funny. I've had a friend of mine go through a difficult patch recently and um, yeah, I'd never really seen that before with, in fact, two or three of them. And yep. um, yeah, it's interesting. He's kind of just come out the other side of it now. I think his life's better. I'm looking better, looking up. But it was, yeah, but it's uh, good. A really dark uh, you know, place for a long time, you know. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. You know, it's tough to even get to the stage when anybody else even knows. Yeah, that maybe yeah. something's happening. To be fair to him, he's very good about kind of I'd say talking about it, but he's kind of talked his way through it. I'd say. Um, it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't necessarily be my way of doing it but you know it's um <clears throat> i have a i have a notepad by the side of my bed which serves as the yep. uh, the repository for all of my deepest <laughs> darkest thoughts and um i found that a very extremely useful process actually i must hit that drive straight next time <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean, there's no golf bits on it but there are some there is some kind of very odd thoughts that go down like you know things that keep you up in the middle of the night you know those things and, um, well, that's that's because that's because you know two o'clock in the morning is the most negative time you have in the whole day. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I see it. Often. I see that's it. what I think. I see that that's time. what I think. You know, yeah. you go two two o'clock. You go. Oh, well, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Yeah. Oh, what what if what if I can't do that? Or what if I can't help that person? Or what if you know you go. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. It's the most negative time. And by the time you get to the morning, you go. Ah, oh, fine. Come on. Yeah, take on the world. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Tell me about um, tell me about working indoors. We touched on the coldness um, mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I know that the centre has just recently, only recently, reopened. Really, um, this is the snow centre in Hemel Hempstead. Yeah, you've only recently really reopened because you know you're you're allowed to ski again um what 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 yeah. does what does indoor skiing in the age of um covid paranoia uh look like these days i think it looks fantastic okay <laughs> at least you get to do it right but what yeah uh, presumably there are certain rules and bits and pieces in place oh absolutely i have to i mean i have to say given that you i think their setup is 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 brilliant mm. um and you know, brilliant in in many ways. Number one, because of my students, it's fantastic for my students. Yeah. <laughs> in that you know, you know, they have set capacity. You know, you've got one way in, one way out. So there's a whole new learning activity mm. for my students. Yeah. Because if you imagine getting out of your car, <laughs> making mm. sure you get out of your car. Yeah. Getting out of your car. 
having your kit on now because obviously there's no clothing and stuff yeah coming in going through the process to come in going up the stairs new new way of getting into the into the rental area yeah you get your helmet skis and boots and stuff um getting out onto the snow all of that whole process that journey overused phrase that journey mm. of getting from your car onto your skis on the slope for an additional needs student is 20 steps oh really yeah really? it's like because you've got to break it down it's not just going in getting your kit on going on the slope two steps every single bit of that coming to the stairs seeing that there's new signage on the stairs yeah. that is an experience in itself well, I was, I was just going to ask you about that. So what happened, do do your students, because some of them are, it would be fair to say, don't like change very much, like like, yep. a, lot of, like a lot of us. I put my hand up on, on that camp too. But what yep. um, if, if they get given a, a different pair of skis from the ones that they had or previously or been used to or boots, maybe the same thing, does, yep. does that affect anything? Or, or do you always have the same stuff? Yeah, I mean, if we take it as part of the session, mm. part of learning about the kit, right? You know, part of you know how the boot fits into the ski, the part of oh look, I found you a pair of race skis, you know, one one seven race skis. <laughs> These are going to be so fast today for you. Yeah, you know, so the fun has got to not just be on the slope. The fun has got to be as soon as they see you, because mm. they are some of the funniest kids and adults you know this is not just this is not just somebody who's this is anybody from four three four five years upwards to yeah. 85 mm-hmm. years upwards you know you can't be autistic and then take a tablet when you're 50 and you're not autistic yeah it doesn't work like that but yeah. you just want support that's all just have positivity around you mm. um so yeah so the process of of literally getting out of your car and coming through, you've got each of those little things which you can then use as part of your lesson. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. not just, the lesson doesn't start just when you've got to the top of the chairlift mm-hmm. and you're starting to go, right, this is now what we're going to do. You've got all of that other stuff you could use, all the sensory stuff you could use, mm. all the <laughs> geographic stuff you could use sitting on the lift, talking about the mountains and what they're called and yeah. why they might be called something or, yeah. you know, what the snow conditions might be like today. Mm. You've got... You know, you can make up a whole, so you could charge more because you're giving them <laughs> giving them a lesson <laughs> about all the geography stuff around you. <laughs> yeah. As well as the skiing, as nice. your new business opportunity. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, do you, so within, the, so in terms of the practicalities at the moment of skiing indoors, are you, are you having to wear like a buff or a mask or something all the time or is it, how, how's that working? Yeah, so for all the instructors, they're all wearing buffs or, uh, or masks right. uh, all, all the time from the time we, we get into the centre itself. Um, as a general rule, adults who come in will probably be wearing them. Kids don't have to, but they can wear them. You know, and what we do, you know, again, we want to make that the stuff about hands, stuff about masks, yeah, stuff about wiping down your locker before you put your stuff away and wiping it down when you're then going to take it. Um, you know, because there's stuff out there. Again, you make it just part of your session. Mm. Um, and then we go out on the slope, and on the slope at the moment, I think there's something like 75, you know, normally, what, 200. So there's 75 out there 
you know, with a lot yeah. of netting so that you can go, you know, but it's good because then, again, they're having to just use that whole thing as part of their learning experience mm, mm. to push their boundaries. So because it is change, yeah, you want to positively, positively use change. Yeah. If it's a negative, if you think of a negative change, which, because they, you know, in a percentage they don't like change, then you want to then you know, not have, you know, you, you will need to use it from a positive perspective. Mm. No, I'm with you. Let me touch, lastly, I've got two more things for you, but the, um, what it, we're about to go, I think it's fair to say, uh, well, I can see it, I don't know whether anyone else can, but um, yeah. I think we're about to go into difficult economic times um yeah how how is that going to affect the funding that that you guys seek you know uh, uh, you know in terms of anniversaries or or yeah you know the funding for your for your program that that allows some of these guys to ski presumably companies are going to be cutting back on some of uh some of their luxury spending if you like well, i think the in answer to the question the funding's still there Mm. So funding, you know, funding doesn't go away. It's how that funding is used. Because of course, you're not going to be able to fund a student if they can't come into the centre yeah. and come and do a lesson, or you know, or get a group of five from a school to be able to come in and do a lesson. Yeah. Um, so, but that is the dare I sew it the COVID opportunity. Mm. It's how you do run your business. How you look at opportunities for it. And I mean, our last three months have been developing a, a thing called a Classroom Ski Academy, where we do snow sports coaching at the schools yeah. over the internet. Um, and people like funders are going, fine, you can't bring them in. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. How are you going to How are you going to use my funding? Are you going to be able to come up with something? Okay. So yeah, so that's what we have done. We've set up a whole new business, which is <laughs> giving, you know, we did a film, we did a film shoot a couple of weeks ago mm. where we're doing exercises and stuff on the slope um, and activities and stuff on the slope, which are then going to be shown to the, to our students next week at the schools. Mm. And they're going to, and they're going to do those in the classroom or out in the playground. Okay. You know, and, um, yeah, it's an exciting opportunity. It's a whole new thing, you know. It's a whole new business area of inclusive snow sports mm. that has not been, to my mind, has not been done before, but is only happening because of all of the challenges of the last six months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't have thought about it. And this is like for the future, for funders, they want something positive for the students. So you've got to have a story and you've got to have be able to prove it mm. that if they give you five grand, that is going to be used incredibly well. Yeah. And it's going to be worth them giving you a hundred grand, you know, it's a figure. Yeah. Um, and, um, and of course, what you have to have is you've got to have a Yeti sticker book. <laughs> because uh-huh. Each of our sessions has a different Yeti color. Okay. And they have their sticker book. And if they want to get the rainbow sticker, they better have done the first 10 sessions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, 
that's our new branding that yeah. we've been working on as well. Yetis is a good one. We've um, yeah. we run a, 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 a um, one of our students invented it. So he uh, it's it's based on the sort of martial arts belt system. Yeah. So all of our guys have different coloured buffs according to the level that they uh, they ski at. Yeah. Um, and it's gone down really well actually. We rolled that out I think last year. Absolutely. Year or so because I, I don't know I just couldn't. Um, I wanted something that was a bit more fun than the, the sort of traditional Bayesy badges and all that sort of stuff. It just wasn't but that's really... what they want. They just want fun. Yeah. You know, that key word, if you can make this fun for somebody, they'll want to keep coming back, coming back. And they will learn lots of stuff. They'll learn life skills. They'll learn yeah. all sorts of things. And they'll have a, and you know, and then when they have a bad day, it's not so bad because the previous week they've been skiing and they'll remember that bit. Yes. You know? Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, here's my last question then. What happens? You, know, you had your list, like I had my list. Skiing or snow sports was on it. What happened yeah. to the, the golf and the scuba bit? Uh, I'm trying to get, I want to get my handicap into single figures. Good for you. <laughs> Tough game at single well, figures, though. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I don't know. I started, well, I mean, I played golf since I was a youngster, but like once a year. Yeah. So, because of lockdown. So that's come down from like 22 to 15. And okay. um, I, can, I can see how I could get it to single figures, but we'll see. We'll see. You've got to be motivated to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got to play. Uh, I think the, guy, the thing is, the guys who play in single figures, they play all the time. Yes. And I just don't yes. have time to do that. I play yeah. just for, for pleasure, really, and just to, as an opportunity yeah. to get out, out and about with Mrs. Burroughs. But the, um, yeah. Yeah, I like, I like those sort of showy lob shots that, Sometimes come off because if they come off, you go, oh, I am, I've got this. <laughs> but the trouble is, the other five times, yeah, they don't come off, yeah. So, but yeah, and then you know, stuff like if we go go away in the summer or something, yeah, it'd be great to put a tank on and do that, yeah. Um, or a few years ago, we raced across the Atlantic, so that was fun. Oh, cool. Um, you do a bit yeah. of sailing, sorry, you do a bit of sailing. Uh, yeah, when I can, when I can. Yeah, well, the key is have friends who have boats. Well, that's the no, key. No. You don't want the boat yourself. <laughs> no, that, that is a bigger money pit than running running a ski school. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we did the uh, we did the arc across from Grand Canaria to St Lucia. Oh wow, was, that was an experience. Yeah, when that that first moment when you go completely out of sight of any land. Oh, yeah. you're like, Whoa. Well, it was the it was the. <laughs> It was the moment we had sort of about two-thirds of the way across. Yeah. And, no, and nobody turned the radar on. It was getting a little bit windy. Oh. And, and then Graham, our skipper, there was only four of us on a 32-footer. Okay. And um, he turned the radar on, and the whole radar screen was red. Ooh. And we're going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I um... So that... Go on. Go on. No, what happened? Yeah, so, de so de definitely, well, it did. It, yeah, it blew. It blew was, yeah, it was, it was a bit wild. Uh, but then again, three days later on, we got completely flat calm. So we did the, uh, we had the Atlantic Swimming Club, which was <laughs> which was quite interesting. When you're swimming swimming around the boat and you look down, yeah. you, see, you see these shards of beautiful sunlight going into deep black. Nothing. And you go, yeah. hmm, I'm not, like, I'm not sure. I, I'm going, 
I think we might need to get back on the boat. Yeah, miles and miles <laughs> straight down. My sailing career ended, so a good friend of mine, Chico, his, his old man had a boat. We did a lot of sailing down the Solent and up on the the west coast of Scotland. But we, oh, really? We were yeah. doing the round the island race and we, we hit... Yeah hit the bottom somehow <laughs> just off the needles and I'm just like, oh, that's quite a freaky feeling on a boat and then we did the same thing we hit this there's a there's a sort of uh, i don't know what you call it like a pinnacle or something yeah it comes up somewhere on the west coast of scotland in, in in literally miles of ocean and we managed to hit it and i sort of look one way off the side of the boat look the other way off the other side of the boat and it's like two miles each side and I'm like, this boat sinks now this could be a very cold and horrible swim to the shore and I'm just like oh. yeah and that that kind of sort of put me off a little bit but I've lately yeah. been getting out on so so here on Lake Geneva I've been taking my daughter down to to Montreux and for about 50 francs you can just hire a, a little motorboat without a permit yeah and you can go out and look at the castle on the lake and stuff like that. And that's that's enough for me now. Like a little, you know, not very fast motorboat just pootling about on the flat, calm of lake. On the water. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tell me where um if people need to or would like to get in touch with you, where can where can they get in touch with you? What's the what's literally the just literally they can just go, yeah, put a note on Snowbility. Yeah. Um on our Facebook or anything. Yeah, you know, anything, just you know, they Whatever, if they've got any interest at all or, you know, or they think, hey, that'd be, be good to sort of know a bit more about or they just want to be an ambassador and just go, you know, I, mean, I think of all the English ski schools in Europe mm. as to how many additional needs students might be coming out anyway. Yeah. Who we could do some stuff with. So when they come out, you know, and vice versa. So it's just, you know, partnering, getting everybody partnering together. Yeah, it's a great idea. Well, I think off mic we, we should have a chat about this because um, yeah. because that's something that I'd love to love to get involved in um, from our ski school's perspective and and uh, yeah, so let's let's have that chat. Yeah, brilliant.
like going into deep black Nothing. and you go yeah. hmm <laughs> I'm, not, it's like, I'm not sure I'll go and I think we might need to get back on the boat. Yeah, miles and miles straight down. My sailing career ended, so a good friend of mine, Chico, his his old man had a boat. We did a lot of sailing down the Solent and up on the the west coast of Scotland. But we we were doing the round the island race and we we hit the hit the bottom somehow <laughs> just off the needles and just like, oh, that's quite a freaky feeling on a boat and then we did the same thing we hit this there's a there's a sort of uh, i don't know what you call it like a pinnacle or something yeah it comes up somewhere on the west coast of scotland in, in in literally miles of ocean and we managed to hit it and i sort of look one way off the side of the boat look the other way off the other side of the boat and it's like two miles each side and I'm like, this boat sinks now this could be a very cold and horrible swim to the shore and I'm just like oh. yeah and that that kind of sort of put me off a little bit but I've lately yeah. been getting out on so so here on Lake Geneva I've been taking my daughter down to to Montreux and for about 50 francs you can just hire a, a little motorboat without a permit yeah and you can go out and look at the castle on the lake and stuff like that. And that's that's enough for me now. Like a little, you know, not very fast motorboat just pootling about on the flat, Love calm of lake. On the water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tell me where um if people need to or would like to get in touch with you, where can where can they get in touch with you? What's the what's literally the just literally they can just go yeah, put a note on Snowbility. Yeah. Um on our Facebook or anything. You know, anything, just you know, they Whatever, if they've got any interest at all or, you know, or they think, hey, that'd be, be good to sort of know a bit more about or they just want to be an ambassador and just go, you know, I, mean, I think of all the English ski schools in Europe mm. as to how many additional needs students might be coming out anyway. Yeah. Who we could do some stuff with. So when they come out, you know, and vice versa. So it's just, you know, partnering, getting everybody partnering together. Yeah, it's a great idea. Well, I think off mic we, we should have a chat about this because um, yeah. because that's something that I'd love to love to get involved in um, from our ski school's perspective and and uh, yeah, so let's let's have that chat. Yeah, brilliant.